Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today, we're breaking a few records. I don't know if you guys know this, but I have five people total on this podcast. They have never done more than four, so that's record number one. Record number two, all four of you are first-timers on the Spring Hills Podcast. So what I want to do is we're going to get to know you before we start talking about the reasons why I brought you in here. Uh, I want to get to know each of you. So back in December, I brought in, or maybe it was November, Jen Winardi and uh, Garrett Ward to talk about the different ministries that Spring Hills supports. And uh, we heard about Royal Family Kids as one of those. Since then, I've been bringing in some of the different representatives from the ministries to hear more about them. InterVarsity was one of them. And um, just want to know more about uh, what the ministries are that we're supporting as, as a church. So that's why I brought you in. Um, so I'm going to have each of you just say hi so people know that there's people here. And I'm not just talking to myself. So Bruce Wollert, you can say hi. Hi. <laughs> there's Bruce. <laughs> Hector Matias, right? Hi there. There he is. Okay. And then Tim and Donna. Uh, Tom. Tom and Donna. Oh, my aunt, my aunt and uncle are Tim and Donna. Sorry. No problem. I'm going to do that multiple <laughs> times, just so you know. No problem. So I uh, answer to a lot. Tom. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you guys both say hi, too. Hi. I literally Hello. have Tim H- and Donna written on here. I got to change it. <laughs> so I just got to remember, not my aunt and uncle. Got it. I did this with, you guys know the Medfords, Chris and uh, uh, Amanda Medford? Yes. Chick-fil-A? Yes. I kept calling them Matt and Amanda. Because I literally know like three couples, Matt and Amanda, yeah. and then uh, how long before they uh, corrected you? Oh, the first time. Oh, good. She good. she corrected me, but I did it like four times. She had to correct me over and over. It was Chris didn't care. It was only Amanda that was saying it. So I brought you in today because we're going to talk about Royal Family Kids um, and Teen Reach, which I was unaware of until Bruce had shared that with me. But before we start there, uh, Bruce, let's start with you. Let's hear a little bit about who you are. Give some background. Um, how people maybe they know you, maybe they don't. Uh, if they don't. Tell us uh, what you think is important for us to know about you. Sure. Yeah. So um, married to Barbara. We've been married about 43 years and been attending uh, Spring Hills uh, Church since about uh, December of 2010. And uh, we were blessed to have three kids. They're all married. So um, we're on the empty nest side of the world and enjoying being grandparents. And we've got uh, five grandkids to enjoy. Just got to enjoy three of them the last couple of days. So um I'm in dire need of a good night's sleep tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't have the stamina that I had once I was, uh, you know, we were parenting ourselves. It goes um, down quick, man. The stamina (laughs) goes down quick. My kids are only five and three, and we see that, like, every now and then. We're like, we got to go to bed earlier because they're they're waking us up earlier and earlier now. Uh, Great. So, So Bruce, yeah, you also mentioned that you, so you're semi-retired is is the way you put it. Semi-retired, that's correct, yeah. So um, we left corporate life about five years ago, and my wife and I have a little travel tour business called trips for you and we how's that going during covid (laughs) yeah so we tell our friends now trips for you has been reduced to trips for two (laughs) (laughs) and the tour barbara and i but it's given us a lot of pleasure to get out and see lots of parts of the world and um one of those was uh we've left led two uh trips to israel uh from here at spring hills and also that's been a really neat experience i love hearing about those trips Yes. I hope I get to go one day. I hate I hate flying, so I don't know if maybe if you take a boat, I'll go. Um, not <laughs> not going to get on a plane for that long. Cool, man. Uh, Hector Matias, let's go to you. Let's share with some people who you are. Now, you are is Spring Hills your home church? Um, it had been for about ten years. Okay, and our current uh, home churches are the Bridge as well as Shiloh Neighborhood. Great. Okay. So people that are around Spring Hills may know you if they were Mm -hmm. here while you were here. Um, But yeah, so share a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So my name is Hector. Um, I am also happily married to Sonia. 
And <laughs> I paused, not because I didn't know her name, but I said also. So Bruce is not married. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I was wondering what the pause was. I yes. was like, I'm bad with names. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, we have been married for uh, 24 years. Um, I have the privilege of uh, parenting two children. Uh, we have a tween and a soon, actually, no, teen. Um, and let's see. Fun fact, I've been um, working in foster care and adoption for over 24 years. Awesome. Privilege of working locally. And you're the, you're the director, the senior director for an agency, a local yes. agency. Cool. All right. Uh, Tom and Donna, I got it right on the second try. <laughs> well done. Um, and I, I did change. I changed it. So now it says Tom and not Good, Tim. good. Um, <laughs> share about, cheat sheet. You two are married, correct? Am yes. I get, did I, is, did I, did I pick up on that? Yes. You got okay. that right. The same last <laughs> name, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah, share about, share about you, uh, you two. Uh, well, I guess I'll start. Um, we've been married for, uh, 32 years. Good job. Yes. 32 <laughs> years. I've, th- I've had a lot of couple, the marriage counseling or uh, the marriage mentor couples on here. And that's always my favorite question because I There's like always- to see if they're right. And I've had actually more of the men correcting the women, which surprises oh, okay. me. I pride myself on knowing this one. So, awesome. yeah. So I'm pretty good at, good with that after 32 years. Um, yeah, we've been married for 32 years. I'm a business partner in a insurance agency in Petaluma. I've actually been a member here um, since I think 2011. Mm-hmm. Is uh, And Pastor Brett has um, actually baptized us once here, or myself once here, and then also once in the River Jordan. Oh, that's on, awesome. On an Israel trip. So yeah, just to kind of tie it back to Bruce. Um, and yeah, so we've been uh, active here um, uh, since 2011. Cool. Mm-hmm. Anything to add? Donna? Uh, just that as we uh, talk about our family life, uh, each of us has, has offered up information about our families. Um, w- the Lord never blessed us our, with, with children of our own, with natural children. So, um, But we do claim our campers each year <laughs> as, cool. quote, our kids. Awesome. So, yeah. That's great. And we'll, we'll talk about what that means when you say campers. In case nobody knows, Royal Family Kids, uh, a camp that for foster kids, correct? Um, and then Teen Reach is also another one that we're going to talk about as well. So that's what we're here to talk about today is Royal Family Kids. Does Teen Reach fall under Royal Family Kids, no, or is it two, a completely separate thing? Two separate uh, Christian ministries, okay. but uh, one is modeled after the other. Got it. Okay, different age groups, correct? Correct. Okay, cool. So let's start, let's jump into that then. So we're going to talk about, let's start with Royal Family Kids. Oh, first of all, how the four of you know each other, just through these ministries? Or did you know each other prior? I would say the ministry has certainly brought us closer together as friends. Uh, I'd actually known uh, Hector and his wife, Sonia, through a small group that we attended. And okay. that is actually part of the Royal Family Kids uh, story okay. of us getting founded and all. So. Sweet. So we'll get yep. into that, I'm sure. I'm sure. And then how did you two get to know uh, Hector and Bruce? Yeah, we, um, we met them, I, I think, through Royal Family Kids. Um, okay. We had um, come across Bruce a few times at church and... And I think Hector once or twice at church as well. And, um, and then, of course, um, as we started to get interested in it, uh, they started to sort of, I think brainwash might be the <laughs> best. <laughs> they, okay. they started to bring us into the fold. And, um, yeah, before we knew it, we just, we look at them as family. And okay. it's really been an amazing 
sort of side benefit of serving alongside people at Royal Family Kids. Okay, and I have to ask, do I get a purple shirt when I'm done with this podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> Honorary member. Wearing, unfortunately, we're not on video today, but they are all, all in uniform here, which is awesome. My old coach, I coached at a high school. We were, purple was our color. I should have just worn that. It would have fit right yeah, in. It would have. Um, well, we okay. can provide you with a picture for your website. <laughs> oh, great. Perfect. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Royal Family Kids. Now, what's the, the role that each of you have within it? Yeah, so I would just start by saying that uh, both Hector and I are co-founders of okay. the Royal Family Kids Program uh, here in Sonoma County and all, and then Tom and Donna are the directors over the camp program okay. that is uh, one of the aspects of the whole program that we've been rolling out here in Sonoma County. So Okay, let's talk about that then. So tell us about the program. Uh, any one of you can jump into. It doesn't have to be um, anyone specific. Yeah, so I would just start by sharing, like, Royal Family Kids is um, is a Christian ministry that is founded back in 1985 by Wayne and Diane Tesh, yeah. and uh, they had a heart for um, serving kids in foster care system, and uh, that program has grown and developed throughout uh, the U.S. Uh, to where it's now an international uh, ministry. Oh, cool. I think I read recently that there's over 30 camps internationally and in excess of 250 camps throughout the U.S. That's awesome. And uh, they focus on serving kids uh, age 7 to uh, 12. And um, they primarily, the entry point into that ministry is through running a week of camp for foster kids. And then um, if a ministry is so inclined and uh, they have the opportunity to roll out a program that's called Club and Mentoring. And so that uh, mirrors uh, kind of the school calendar year and is intended to uh, extend the relationships that have been built with the children uh, during that week of camp. And um, so I think that's kind of in a nutshell what Royal Family Kids is and a little bit of its background and also. When did it become international? Uh, so you said it was founded in 85, is that what you said? Correct, right, yeah, it was founded in 85. I'm going to say it was maybe 2010, yeah. kind of in that zone when they started to branch out into some of the international That's locations. That's amazing. My understanding is is there's a, a director um, up in the Washington area that um, has been very involved for a long time, and their church did ministry down in, I believe it was Chile. And uh, so uh, they took the Royal Family Kids curriculum down to uh, share with the missionaries down in Chile and found that it was just as effective there as it was here in the U.S. And uh, that kind of birthed the idea back to the national leadership. And now they've shared that story and that model to other churches in the U.S. who are doing um, international outreach. And now it's expanded out to Argentina, to Australia, Africa, and so that's it's amazing. Been, been neat now, to you, see. You said that you and Hector were co-founders, but then you said that the the it originated in '85 with who was the couple? You said yeah, Royal uh, Wayne and Diane Tesh. So they were pastors down at um, a Newport Mesa um, church, and um, I forget uh, the very details of it, but uh, they certainly saw the need of serving kids in foster care and realized that the church is missing an opportunity to serve those children. And so the pastor challenged Wayne to um, try to develop a program that would serve just that 
facet of children. You okay. know? So he started and um, it took a number of years to kind of catch on. But um, before long, other churches said, boy, we have that same burden in, in our, our hearts and, uh, you know, asked, how do we get this going in our community and also. Okay. So Hector, him saying that you guys are the co-founders, you want to tell that story a little bit about how you two uh, got got started with it? Sure, sure. I think we would be remiss not to share. Um, it first came to the attention of Bruce, and one of the reasons why I'm, uh, I think it's important to share this is oftentimes individuals, maybe some that are listening to this, would wonder, like, how do I get involved or why would I get involved? And so um, – I think uh, I'm going to pass it to Bruce to share the beginning of the story um, because I think that it's really powerful in terms of what God uh, did to link up, if you would, how this unfolded in um, our area. Okay. Thank you, Hector. Yeah. So um, prior to doing trips for you, <laughs> I was the uh, CFO for a local Christian camp, and uh, we had been doing some ministry in South Africa serving um, the orphans out in some of the uh, squatter villages of the Cape Town region. And I had just come back uh, from one of those ministry outreaches, and we had taken a number of people from church. So I say it's kind of like the layman got out of the pew and went to serve. Okay. And I saw how impactful it was on everybody to serve these children and all. And um, I think it was on the flight home that just reflecting on this whole experience of being the hands and feet of Jesus in these squatter villages and how impactful it was on my own heart, as well as the other uh, folks that had gone to serve. And I just sense like, you know, not everybody is fortunate enough to have the, the means or the time off to go somewhere around the world to serve. Right. But why couldn't we do something very similar locally? Right. And so I started to press in as to, like, what would that look like locally? And um, initially reached out to the local gospel mission, and that wasn't quite the mark that um, was intending. Wanted it to be more the, the young kids. And uh, so then kind of moves fast forward to kind of June of 2012, and I'm in a meeting uh, out at the Christian camp, and um, in the middle of this meeting, one of my marketing guys comes running into the back office, banging on the door and says, Bruce, you've got to come outside and see this. And so we had experienced a, several crises out in our parking lot in the prior years. And so I was kind of anticipating, oh, God, here we go again. Another crisis is unfolding in our parking lot. So I quickly jump out of the meeting go running out of the office and down the main pathway across the bridge, just kind of getting myself calibrated and ready for what crises and how are we going to respond. And like, I'm right on this bridge. And then it's like this picture in front of me, it does not make any sense. It doesn't look like a crisis. Instead, it looks like the parking lot is loaded with people waving signs. They're cheering, they're yelling. There's two big luxury buses pulling into the parking lot. And I'm like, I'm just almost like dazed, like, what is going on here, you know? And uh, the buses come to a stop, and somebody rolls out this red carpet. And my marketing guy finally catches up with me, and I go, like, Jason, what is going on out here? I'm expecting this uh, emergency crisis. He goes, Bruce, this is the start of um, Concord's Royal Family Kids Camp. Oh, Jason, what's Royal Family Kids Camp? 
goes, well, it's a camp for foster kids. And these folks are coming from Concord and the Brentwood region and all of that. And like in minutes, the, um, somebody takes a big microphone and he yells out a child's name and the child goes walking out on the red carpet and their counselor comes out of the crowd and gives them a big hug, a warm welcome. Everybody is cheering and like, I, I just broke down and started crying. It's like, wow, God, this is like unbelievable what's going on here. The love that's being poured out on these children, you know. I mean, what a welcome. You know, here you've ridden on this really fancy deluxe bus, and these people are here now greeting you and cheering you and all of that. So throughout that week, I got a chance to connect up with uh, directors, uh, Brian and Cindy Donnelly, and talk about incredible uh, Christian believers, man. They are so inspirational to come alongside and started just learning more about what was involved and all of that. So um, Brian and Cindy both said, uh, boy, we would love to mentor you if you'd be so bold to step out in this uh, and try to take on this ministry for your community. <clears throat> so a couple of weeks what, passed. What year was that? That was in the uh, summer of 2012. Okay. Yeah. So at the time, uh, my wife and I were in Hector and Sonia's uh, small group. And so um, I got to thinking, I should have lunch with Hector. And just, you know, since he's on the inside of social services, I'm feeling rather skeptical, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of a Christian program to serve foster kids that are coming from a government-regulated organization. I go, Hector, we probably got one chance in a billion to see this even idea get off the ground, right? So Hector and I met up, right, and started talking about it. And Yeah, that's a perfect segue. I, yeah. I think that I'm all about the food, so anytime I get invited to breakfast at lunch. I'm sorry I didn't have food for you. That's that's okay. It doesn't sound very good in a microphone. (laughs) That was a subtle jab there, Hector. uh, Next time. It's a very passive-aggressive way to tell me that I need to feed my guests. That's how he operates. This is it. I think with with regard to that, um, Bruce was, you know, shared what he just shared and asked, a simple question. Do you think this is remotely possible? You know, and I believe Bruce would concur. I, it was a resounding like, yeah, but the part of the story that wasn't, that he wasn't aware of was that my lovely bride and I had been thinking about talking about and praying into something similar for Sonoma County, because I've been a part of foster care and adoption uh, for well, back then, now for over 24 years. So um, you can do the math. It was less then. Um, and all along, we knew there were camps and, and programs and um, communities that would come alongside of children that were being adopted. Um, but there, we didn't know of any local um, that would reach out to children in care. And not to get into details, but some kids are in just for, you know, um, uh, short-term emergency and some, some are longer term. Right. Um, so this really was the gateway, if you would, for us to be just praying into it to say, you know, for the reasons that Bruce just shared in terms of, you know, uh, 
government and church and how does this all kind of unfold? Um, and what became really evident really quickly was that this was a no-brainer. This is something that absolutely God intended to unfold in Sonoma County. And he was going to use the least of these. Uh, Bruce and I often joke and say, of course, you know, um, uh, two of the busiest guys that had to do this over a meal, because otherwise we probably wouldn't have eaten, right? <laughs> um, and, and yet God has blessed us. And when I say us, I mean the ministry has just exponentially grown over the years with people that I think most often are often surprised at the outpouring of passion and commitment, um, sacrifice to be at such a camp for a week and um, let alone what life kind of surrounds that. So, um, so that conversation was fairly easy. And then um, realizing that the offering of um, Cindy and Brian to mentor and come alongside of uh, developing this. So it's not necessarily starting from scratch, right? Trying to figure out and navigate, but God even provided that. Um, and then secondarily to that was when we did go right after that, we became uh, directors in training. Um, and then um, we went to trainer, uh, uh, director training. Um, and even as God provided for all of that, and he was stirring the hearts in the faith community to raise hand and say, here I am. You know, I have no idea because that was our presentation. That's what um, Tom and Donna would say in terms of bringing people along. Um, some have quoted it brainwashing. And I, it, basically it's lack of coaxing and saying, just come and see. Yeah. And I think that curiosity alone has really um, amassed um, volunteers. Awesome. And so uh, last thing that I'll say is um, not just... Uh, were their mentors provided in Brian and Cindy. But for the first year, we came under the umbrella of. And so watching a program and services and volunteers and structure and leadership meetings to the nth degree of, I think at that point, they were like 10 years in, was an amazing provision and would allow us to not feel the pressure of, okay, this is really risky, right? Um, and at every step, even now, right? Even now, we really lean on them as they lean on us equally, knowing that it's all about the kids. Yeah, awesome. Now you said directors in training. I know, uh, Tom, Donna, you also have been directors in training at one point, but you've been now the directors of the camp for a few years. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So why don't you share how you got involved? I know both of you had mentioned you were counselors first. So um, yeah, talk about how you got involved in Royal Family Kids. Uh, well, we attended here at uh, Spring Hills. Uh, we had been attending church here for about two years, and the Lord was just stirring our hearts that we just had to do more than just uh, take in. And um, there was an informational meeting that was offered up for serving at Royal Family Kids Camp. and The and beginning of the brainwashing. The be <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we attended the informational meeting, and, um, and we both took our applications, and I picked all of our paperwork up and said to my husband, I said, Tom, I said, um, let's go, let's, let's do this. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, we're going to 
fill out the paperwork at home and then we'll turn it in, turn it in. And he said, Oh no, 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 we're doing this. Like right now we are doing this. And I was like, Oh boy, we're in, that's it. There's no, there's no turning back. And that was really the, um, that was the Lord just, just really making sure that he, he sent his message that this was a, this was a direction that he really wanted us to, to go in. Cool. And so you started as counselors. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. What, what does the camp look like? I mean, let's just start at the beginning of the camp. So that when the kids get there, what's the camp look like? It's a local camp. Um, it is in a local place uh, in the area. We only serve Sonoma County children. Okay. And so we bring everybody um, from within the county. Um, the camp is structured such that it's about five days long. Um, we essentially assemble a team over the course of about a six-month period go through full training and background checks and uh, start to assign people into roles that will serve camp, um, go through all of that prep, and then ultimately assemble a camp in preparation to be fully moved to whatever location we're going to. Mm -hmm. So it is a large undertaking. Um, both Bruce and Hector are, are um, probably being um, maybe somewhat humble in a sense uh, as to the size and scope of what God has done with this uh, is incredible. Last, not last year because of COVID, but the year before our last camp, which was 2019, we had um, uh, approximately 110 grownups, adult volunteers, that went through a full, essentially 16 hours of training in preparation and, and countless hours outside of the formal training um, to serve about um, 65 children. And uh, those 110 people devoted, I think we tabulated, we do a compliance report every year at the end of the camp for national. And I think we tabulated over 14,000 hours wow. of um, dedicated, donated, volunteered service to these kids. That's amazing. Just to get that thing going and up and running. And then so uh, you said 65 it. campers is what's the, what are the numbers like in Sonoma County? How many are in foster care? And yeah. obviously you're talking about Royal Family Kids being from, I think you said seven to 12. The age group? Yes, essentially, yeah. yes. So what's the overall, like, how, how big is the system here? So you're probably looking at, and again, there's ebb and flow. Sure. Um, you're probably looking at about 500 kids. Wow. All in, in Sonoma County. County. And From, then how much in the age ranges yeah. that we serve? That, so um, if I think back just even the last few years, you're looking anywhere from probably 100 to... 150. Okay. So how does it, so if you've got 65 kids there, what, how does it, how is it decided the kids that get to go? Wow. That's a <laughs> that's big a question. Great question. Um, oh, thank you very much. I, you know, <laughs> uh, when it comes to questions, I, I really just, I work hard. It's been a lot of training and no, <laughs> I love it whenever he says, it's, anybody says, that's a good question. I always like to just be like, well, thank you. I was going to say, and every so often you have one. I do every so often. I also ask a lot of dumb ones, but go ahead. Um, it's, it's a process. Um, and just like everything in my training in social services, uh, you often would get the response. It's a case by case. And, uh, um, that's like my it's questions. It's a case by case. It's a case by case. Um, there's a, there's a huge process that, uh, integrates, um, because of some of the youth being at different, um, lengths in care. Right. Um, there's a there's an initial conversation with uh, the county 
and we over the years have developed a really good relationship and um, so there are certain contacts that we have um, for different reasons there's a nursing contact there's a uh, I'll call it an intake contact um, and we start having those conversations as early as you know I often tell the kids and or the adults you know, right after St. Valentine's Day, you'll see a lot of purple. We start wearing purple. And that's kind of the flag being raised, if you would, RFK is coming. And so that also is an indicator for the county to understand that we're going to start accessing or asking for information. Um, so we initially start with a, um, information, a list of the kids at that point in time. And then we also, because we've been doing this for, um, this is, we're going on our eighth year, right? Um, then um, we also are considering returns, right? And so that process really looks like which are the kids that are returning, which are the kids are, are in uh, foster care, and the access point is the third, you know, um, piece because you're planning three months, if you would, prior or four months prior to camp. And as it is, the system and the process by which the children are in the care system moves pretty quickly. So you can start with a list that maybe a third have been reunified, right? Either with a birth family or with birth parent or with an extended relative, or they've left the area because that was their next step, if you would. So what were the process ends with kind of a narrowing down of those conversations and constantly uh, updating list and such. Um, and then also being in communication with the County of what are the, what are the kids needs? Um, and then that's how we then get to the point of volunteers and what skills they might bring and um, the experience that they have. Yeah. What has, what has COVID looked like? Have you been able to do any kind of ministry with this over COVID or is it, I mean, have you adjusted to it or is it just a waiting game at this point? Yeah. Um, COVID has been um, uh, hard to overcome so far. Um, last year, of course, the shutdown happened in March. That is our, our, our wheelhouse and our hot time for obviously preparing for the entire camp. When was it, when did, was it known that you weren't going to be able to do camp? Um, we had to make the decision internally in about April because there wasn't enough lead time to really complete it. Make if it the, yeah, if the kids would have been released and, and, um, the shutdown would have been, um, curtailed, we wouldn't have had enough time to actually get it done. So sure. we actually called it off, um, by April. Um, it's our intent now, uh, to navigate this new world that we're in. And uh, we're all right now having conversations about um, if this shutdown doesn't get re released, um, we are fully intending that God will show us a way to have some amended version of camp in some way. We, we feel very much called to um, want to seek every possibility on how we can um, maintain and, and try and make contact again with the kids in the county. And, and we feel like... Um, there's going to be a way to do it. I think we're very optimistic that there's a way to, even if it doesn't get released, that there's a way that we can still serve them in some way. Mm -hmm. And part yeah. of the, part of the deficiency or part of the greatest effect when a young person is in foster care is the continuity. And part of what RFK and soon to be uh, track 
provides is that level of consistency in volunteers, in uh, the time of year that it occurs. Um, and so for that reason, um, we as leadership certainly have begun those conversations of now that we're at this place, what might that look like? Again, tying it to we know the impact on having, con- having connections yeah. with the children. So you mentioned, you just mentioned track. Um, wh- I wanted to ask more about it. Is it, is track is teen reach. So this is a different age group. Um, where did that start? And what's the, what's the difference between, uh, do you guys have any, Tom, Donna, do you have involvement with both? Uh, only from a sort of um, assisting uh, where the direction of the, okay. the whole program is going. I, I think we kind of look at um, the Royal Family Kids Ministry as a stool with three legs. Uh, the first leg is that 6 to 12 Royal Family Kids Camp, that what's a week-long camp in the summer. The second leg is the mentor program, which is intended to be a bridge. After camp is over, we're able to get together with the children once a month or so throughout the school year. Bruce had uh, alluded to that earlier. The third leg is then serving that next age band, which is the essentially 13-ish to, say, 16, and that's the track program. And okay. that's something that we want to get off the ground. And with that, I'll. And yeah. Where, so yeah. Where is it at? And, yeah. And I, I think it's um, certainly worth sharing that really the vision is to create and implement the faith-based programs, right. To create life changing moments. Um, and, and that's for children that have experienced abuse, neglect um, or abandonment. And that being the case to your point of the um, stool, the piece that thus far is um, missing is the continuity after the youth turn 12 or 13. And so having both RFK, Royal Family Kids Camp, and Track Team Reach Adventure Camp allows us to fulfill the vision of serving youth from the ages of seven, officially, through the age of 18, right? Um, and, and we say 16 because when you start the program, it starts as a pilot, just mm-hmm. as RFK did. Numbers are smaller. We're trying to figure out the traction and how to really support it so that it can last for eight years more. Right, right, right. So it's the, with track, did you say the year that that became a, a stepping stone into that? I didn't. It's in the 90s, and I couldn't pinpoint exactly when that was. Yeah, yeah, here. I mean, oh, with you, with sorry. you guys. I thought you meant nationally. Um, here, it's our intent was 2017. As you know, life has happened. And sure. <laughs> fire, pandemic, and otherwise. Um, that being the case, our goal was to launch it last year, uh, 2020, if you would. And so here we are. Our goal again, 2021. revised 2020. Okay, cool. Great. I wanted to, there's some of my questions might be a little bit random too, just because, um, there's some questions I have about statistics as well. Now we, we had, uh, we've, we've got friends that are, um, I don't, would you call, what do you call them? Respite families? What do you? So, um, resource families, formerly foster parents and Sonia and I are okay. as well. So feel free to shoot questions. Yeah. I try my very best to answer them. Um, and then we also have families that are not approved, if you would, or intending to become long-term, uh, long-term 
foster parents or resource parents, but they are acting as a support. And those families we've often called respite. Respite. Okay. So I, do, I did get the word right. Yes. We've, uh, we've talked to some of our friends that have done that. We went to one of the meetings that you did about that as well. Yes. And we're, we're one of the points where we've decided um, we want to look into adopting later on in life. We're not sure exactly when we're just feeling more and more called towards that. Um, we've heard a lot about foster adopting and that kind of thing. We also, uh, one of the things I'm curious about is, is there an average time that a child has been put into foster care and that they're in foster care? When does it become more of like, this is how long is it until they're decided whether they are not going to be reunited or reunified? I forget how you put that. Yeah. Re uh, reunified. Um, you know, as with a lot of things, it's a case by case. Sure. Um, and that being said, um, it really depends on that legal, if you would, process. Sure. Um, and and it, there are so many different contributing factors. Uh, some fa- some kids have um, uh, healthy rings of family that they can easily access, and the county pursues those. Um, sometimes it, that takes longer um, for a myriad of reasons. Um, so I would say that um, I mean my. Professionally, my shortest placement was eight hours. Okay. You know, um, they identified a relative, boom, boom, and here we go. And I'm transitioning that child uh, to a relative. Um, At the same time, sometimes you're approached as a resource family saying this is a short term. Um, My lovely bride and I were an emergency resource family home, which means that 24-7 we get a call and there's a child or siblings to be kept together, which is the preferred. Um, and that being said, uh, we may be told because it's an emergency, we have no idea. Mm-hmm. It could be a weekend. Um, we've it had could be a, eight hours. It could be eight hours, but it also could turn into, you know, where we think that technically an emergency could be 30 days, 60 days. Um, we've had kids that have been with us for months. And again, the idea and no different than in our home, our, our, um, Uh, commitment, if you would, is a child that enters our home or children that enter our home are there until they can healthily transition to their next place. I also, I want to go back to the camp again also and ask, uh, because one of the the things is you're able to share the gospel with these kids. And I think um, knowing that kids are going to Christian homes or, or even for an emergency placement for eight hours being with a Christian home, um, to me, I just go, well, that's amazing that they're able to do that. Now I know with the camp, being uh, able to share the gospel, is it, well, let's talk about, let's just talk about that. What are you, are you, are there any restrictions on that? Or are you able to, to just share what you want to share because you are working within government guidelines, right? So how does that work? Anyone? Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. Um, we have very clear guidelines uh, that the national program has established. Those were originally established because they consistently um, coincide and comply with um, honoring the uh, wishes and the regulations that the Child Protective Services would have for us. Uh, we make no bones and, and um, no excuses. We are absolutely faith-based. We focus our um, efforts throughout the course of the week on really modeling the love of Jesus Christ to these kids. Um, we d- do not get involved in any sort of sort of what you might call rituals like baptism or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, far from it. However, we are constantly talking about the fact that Jesus loves them, that He has a plan for them, that He's never forsaken them. He's always been with them, and uh, that message is is universal throughout everything we do, from activities to 
We have um, Bible story skits that we that we uh, enact. Um, everything we do is really themed around that. But we are very very ke- careful to never overstep our bounds. And okay. really, these kids see the love of Jesus. We're called to be the hands and feet, and um, that modeling, I think, is is the the strongest message message that comes through. Okay, and there's you've talked a little bit about the privacy and stuff too. Um, you know, just like not being able to say the location of the camp. Uh, how you've got? I think you said 110 volunteers at the camp. How are you making sure that no one's sharing information that they can't be sharing? How do you keep that? I mean, obviously, you want to keep these kids safe, right? So there's with this many kids, this many people involved, that's got to be a huge hurdle to go over. So what are some of the ways that you make sure that these kids are staying safe? Uh, well, during our training, um, we are very candid. It's a, it's a very raw training. Um, and so to be invited to come to that training, um, you know, we search your heart, we interview you. We, there are a lot of, you know, God it speaks very good, um, uh, very clearly to us uh, about about building our team. Um, we do background checks. We do. Was that fingerprinting? Was that the the motion that, you were making? I was, I was looking over there. I was like, "Why are you rubbing your thumbs together?" <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, it. Yeah. I got it. So, um, and so then when we have our training, it's it's pretty raw. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're we we leave no stone unturned. Um, we give worst case scenarios um, in what a day could look like at camp, and um, people with. With, with their hearts in this ministry, um, know that our, our overarching message is to be the hands and feet of Christ to them and to love them through everything, including um, being able to hold close any information that, um, that where the camp is um, should, you know, we don't share where we live or what our last names are. Those things aren't important. And um, the volunteers, it, it, it's, it's impressed upon them to hold in confidence things like the location of the camp um, beyond camp um, to hold the confidentiality. Uh, we don't have any contact with the children um, beyond camp. Um, we're the directors of the camp and we, we don't even know the children's last names and people say, Oh my goodness, we know, what do you know about them? And I just said that they're, they're, they're that Christ put them at our camp for that, us. That to, God loves them. That God loves yeah. them. And that's, that's, that's the important thing. Um, the other stuff is, is, it's just not important. Right. The Lord brings them to camp and then we love them for a week of camp. And then we trust that the Lord is going to use other avenues as well uh, and other ways to reach them. So, um, but our volunteers are solid. They are solid people. They're just, we're humbled by the relationships that we've been able to develop. And do volunteers camp. for the camps all come from within churches that you're partnering with? Yes. 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 So you go through like Spring Hills, for example, you've got people within Spring Hills that are volunteering. Um, how does, how do you get involved in that? Obviously we're again, COVID, there's a lot of unknown questions, but when do you start looking for all volunteers and how do people, if they want to, to know more and, and get involved? Yeah. Historically, our efforts have started in January. What we have uh, right now is currently uh, six local churches that all sort of partner with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spring Hills is one of the founding churches and has been instrumental throughout our entire uh, history, but we've been very fortunate. Um, so many leaders in the community, our, our uh, senior pastors and, and uh, staff of these other churches have just come alongside us and just embraced it. Uh, we roll out informational meetings at each of the churches. Ultimately, those result in um, uh, question and answer and application processes. Ultimately, that turns into interv- interviewing of every single applicant. 
that then turns into background checking and then ultimately 16 plus hours of training. And so it's an extensive process, but all and of it's the almost people, like you can't be too extensive with the, the subject matter, right? You, I mean, you, you want to make sure that you've got the right people. Yeah, you cannot. We, um, we have people that have served every camp and that's uh, seven so far uh, in our County. And um, those people that have served at every camp amongst the 110 last year, every one of them goes through that same 16 hours of training every single year. So the commitment that, that these um, Christ loving servants show is amazing. Nothing short of amazing. And uh, they are so committed and, and so wanting to love on these children um, that to a person, they absolutely honor all of the restrictions we put on them relative to confidentiality and what have you. And and all they want to do is just um, just take care of the kids and, yeah. and just love on the kids. So uh, You've mentioned also that there's no contact with the kids beyond the camp. Um, but this is another reason why it's so great when kids are placed into Christian homes, right? Because that's the, the now yeah. they get to go to church. Um, so there's no, they, you can't invite the kids to, to a church. You can't, the, the counselors aren't allowed to have any sort of like relationship with them outside of the camp. If, if they did want to continue a relationship um, with the children, it would be that they would offer up their time to be part of the club and mentoring program during the school oh, that's year. Right. Okay. So that is part of it. Uh, we have many volunteers as well who have considered and then acted upon the call in their heart to um, be foster parents and or come alongside foster uh, families and um, serve the kids that way. Um, in addition to that, um, what we have said in the past, if a volunteer says, well, you know, I, I really have to see these kids again. And we say you can freely share where you go to church. You can say, I go to Spring Hills, or I go to the bridge, I go to Shiloh, I go to Refuge, I go to Hessel. Um, I, you can, you are free to share that. And, you know, perhaps that is, you know, the next time you'll see that child is when they're bringing their foster family to church. Yeah. So. Yeah. And by the way, just, um, just to partner with that a little bit, that thought, um, we have seen some beautiful things happen where um, precious young children that have um, been exposed to Jesus through camp uh, wind up bringing their parents. That's amazing. And, and um, I can think of one in particular. Yep. Uh, My camper. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, that uh, is just absolutely the most amazing thing to see these children lead uh, people in their family, in their life um, to Jesus as a result of Royal Family Kids. It's, yeah. It's just, you wouldn't expect it, but it, 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 Somehow, I guess it isn't unexpected. Well, let's uh, talk about this. Since you brought that up, let's talk about some of the um, the stories that you have from from your experiences between the four of you. Um, whatever you can share about great experience you had, that's obviously one of them. So, uh, yeah, share what what highlights you have from some of these camps and the organization as a whole. Can I go before that? Before we go there, um, one. Um Tom mentioned child protective services, mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that I. Um, emphasize that the charge there is exactly in the name, right? Child Protective Services. So it it absolutely is a God thing for this ministry to have, if you would, taken off and to be unanimously um, supported to be well in Sonoma County and continues to be supported. Um, and just because that that uh, agency, um, that's a huge burden that they have. And so in order for them to even remotely entertain kids being engaged, 
they have absolutely done their vetting. They have absolutely, we've been pretty open book. Um, uh, we have even taken the opportunity to invite the powers that be, and they've taken us up on the invitation. And that, I think, just solidifies the, the miracle, if you would, that such a, um, such a ministry exists. Um, there, there's also a second platform to that, which is there are other ministries that have, if you would, unfolded by God's doing and grace um, that have used the very pathways and relationships of RFK. Um, there's, you know, whether it's um, uh, individually in the churches and or um, supported by a uh, collaborative effort um, and then teaming up and partnering um, with the county. Um, and so just FYI, um, that this is, this is something that continues to unfold and continues to blow our minds in terms of when it started to where it is today. And none of us take any credit for that. Yeah. And it completely points to it's God's will and it's God's doing, it's God's unfolding. Awesome. So, yeah, you were asking us to share a story of impactful experiences with the kids, and there have been many, uh, but I have such a short-term memory. I have to just go back to our last camp, and I was functioning as just kind of uh, the gopher for Tom and Donna on camp, other than when I wasn't doing drama skits and all of that. But we Tuesday afternoon, we do an experience for the boys. Um, it ultimately leads to a location where um, a couple of our leaders uh, will pray a blessing over the children through a nighting activity, uh, identifying scripture that may be meaningful to the child's characteristics. But anyway, as we were finishing up our lunch that uh, day, uh, Director Tom comes over and says, uh, boy, we have one young boy here, and he just cannot stay focused. He does not want to go on this long hike. Uh, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, we have a rookie counselor uh, working with this young boy, and um, he is feeling like at wit's end. So, Dr. Bruce, if you wouldn't mind uh, kind of rallying around this young boy and spending some time with him, and, you know, if he won't go on the hike, then so be it. Maybe you can identify some things to do. So pretty soon I got connected with this young boy, and I just started to identify myself to him that um, if he would look around the crowd, he'd quickly notice that I was probably the oldest guy in the whole group. And I was going to be desperate to go on such a crazy hike. I just couldn't imagine doing it. But one of my life's dreams was to see the oldest redwood tree on this facility. And that's where we were going to be walking to. And pretty soon he just got like super zoned in focus on, Bruce, I am going to help you get to see. And so the whole hike, I mean, it was a long, uh, steep lengthy hike and all of that. And, you know, I had to fake like I was, uh, you know, struggling, struggling. I was needing did water that really well. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we got all the way up to the platform and this boy puts his arm around me and he goes, Bruce, look in front of you. Isn't that incredible, man? This has been like a dream fulfilled. And he goes, for me too, this has been the greatest day of my life That's to awesome. help you see your dream come true. And then we just talked about where did that come from? Who made that tree? Do you think? And he was telling me only God can make these trees. 
this and this. I mean, he just rambled on and on and on about the beauty of the forest, the creek. He had seen some deer, you know, so just, we call it the cathedral of the outdoors, right? Yeah. You know, being awesome. out. Of, and so, yeah, very, very memorable. That's deep in my heart. One of our mottos uh, for Royal Family Kids nationally is making moments matter. And um, that's absolutely one example of one portion of one of the days with one of the kids. And that happens all day long, every day. And uh, it impacts that moments. kid's life. Um, it's really cool how much one little moment can really impact a kid's life. Yeah, we often tell our volunteers during training that, um, you know, it's absolutely true that making moments matter. And, and some of our other motto um, is uh, treating people royally and keep moving forward. Um, it's, it's, it's really true that it, it occurs all the time. And yet as a volunteer, we're taught, don't expect to see this golden, wonderful moment because that's not why we're doing this. We know that Jesus has this in control. It may not happen uh, in front of us and that's okay. Um, Often we are blessed by these things happening and being able to see them, but um, none of the people that volunteer are really expecting that. And um, the blessings that come from it are amazing. I had a, a very uh, tiny, um, too mature young girl, uh, too mature. I, what I mean by that is that she was awfully serious for her age. And uh, the first couple of days she was uh, getting acclimated to the camp and beginning to get involved and, and uh, I could see that she was having a little bit more fun. And um, by about Thursday, um, she had come up to me at, in the lunchroom. We all have lunch together. And uh, she took me aside and pulled me down. And I got down on one knee. And she said, um, so um, it looks like, are you the owner of this camp? And, um, and I said, no, far, far from it. I'm, I'm just one of the people that um, just helping to, to sort of organize it. And um she kind of thought, you know, looked down and, and she said, um, well, okay, it seems like you're kind of in charge. So I just thought I'd let you know now this one week camp is great, but I think next year it needs to be two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gotta give us a little more time. Here, man. Right. So, and, and she so was Mr. Owner, man, get your act. Together. She was Come serious on. as a heart attack. So, um, so it's those kind of moments you start to see, uh, these kids just grow into becoming kids again yeah. and, and feeling safe and feeling uh, taken care of and feeling loved. Well, I can't imagine the trauma that these kids are going through when they're just getting, I mean, a lot of them are getting just tossed around home to home and they don't know. I mean, the, the question of what home am I going to go back to tomorrow or whatever it is and not feeling safe or whatever, it's got to just be, I mean, hugely traumatic. I, I know a few people that are now, you know, my age, friends of mine that grew up in the foster system um, were adopted or some of them weren't. And, um, hearing some of their stories is pretty amazing. Just at the, the, for myself, I was very fortunate that I grew up with my family staying together and a very typical, uh, childhood. And I just, I took, kind of took that for granted, not knowing that this, this world existed. So what are any other stories before we, uh, we wrap up here? One of the things that you had alluded to, I thought you would go down that path was sometimes we have kids that are not interested in coming to camp mm. and, um, you know, it isn't until the second day, if you would, that they start to kind of realize, oh, okay, um, this is where I am starting to think I need to be. And to your point of, um, kids having or not having, um, we often hear, kids saying 
how um, surprising that they have three meals and snacks and consistently, and they are seeing the same people, the adults are consistent from one day to the next, right? Um, so, and for me, my, um, if you would, story is I have the opportunity throughout the year to uh, connect with kids in my field. And um, I also have the privilege of watching that growth. Um, and it, 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 it always surprises me when um, their acknowledgement is often tied to either a great memory, even if it was years ago, tied to RFK and or the fact that they recognize that you were a part of them being at camp. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Anything else you want to share? Also, I'll say this. I know that um, with the unknown of what you guys are going to be doing with the camps and stuff, um, I'm not sure when you're going to be able to, to make it happen. Uh, hopefully, we'll pray for you guys that you can you can make it happen this year. But I do want to ask that question. How can we as a church be praying for Royal Family Kids, Teen Reach, um, all, the, all the stuff involved in it? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have so value the prayer because uh, we need God's uh, wisdom and guidance on how to uh, respond to the COVID uh, scenarios that are in front of us and uh, for clarity and unity um, and uh, <clears throat> just the, the direction so that we can roll both of these programs out this mm-hmm. summer and uh, make it meaningful. You know, um, it's one thing for us to... Uh, reach out into the church community and ask for people to volunteer and come and be part of this ministry. It's another thing for the county to feel comfortable enough and that the world is safe enough for them to release the children. So we need God's hand to move in both of those realms and all. So um, I have other things to add. No, I think that's, that's great. I was, uh, the only thing I was thinking about was certainly that there would be that God's safety shield would be in our communities. Um, not having contact, whether it's through the mentor program and or even the week of camp, um, really um, allows for a huge gap, a gaping hole. And um, knowing that he is able um, and camp, you know, camp is just one of those contacts. Um, and then again, prayer for a favor that as the time ticks and the dates we would consider camp um would the that the pathway would just be paved before us for favor it's okay let's get to getting this done yeah now obviously finances are another part of this and i know spring hill supports royal family kids how uh how do other people support royal family kids financially yeah we have um all of our programs are are privately funded so we entirely rely on um, private donations. They come through our partner churches as well as directly from individuals that have, you know, maybe served before or heard about us through their church or what have you. Um, so we, um, we, one of our big um, mandates certainly is to be raising money to be sure that we never turn away a child because of financial reasons. Um, we do pay for all expenses or not just the children, but also uh, the volunteers that are, are donating their time and, and uh, their entire week towards serving the kids. So um, that's an ongoing effort that we go through. And, and we've been amazed at, the, at God's provision um, to um, allow us to really conduct such a large undertaking. And he has always answered. And so we're really grateful for that. Awesome. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for coming down, Bruce, Hector, Tom, and thank Donna. you. I uh, appreciate thank you. Wait, appreciate you being here. Once this, uh, once the camps are rolling around, I'd love to bring you back on just if you want to um, share anything more about it. Uh, again, since you are a ministry that Spring Hills is involved with, uh, I'd love to hear more about it. People are always interested in what we support and the different things going on here. How we can pray for you how we can support you more. So thank you for being here. Appreciate it. We would love that. And if I may just say one yeah. more thing, um, you can find out more information about us through the national uh, website, www.rfk.org. Uh, you can look up our chapter, which is the Santa Rosa Sonoma County chapter. And, um, and uh, you can reach us through that as well. Awesome. Perfect. Thank All right. You. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.